Welcome to episode 45 of my podcast. In this episode, we continue our Aquinas series. As you may remember, we're dealing with the articles on divine simplicity in uh, Thomas's Summa. And today we'll go through two articles of question three. The first article deals with the question whether essence and existence are the same in God. And the second article deals with the question whether God is contained in a genus. Both articles are a bit complicated, and I'm not sure that I really understand them very well, but they're interesting nevertheless. So we start out with the article on whether essence and existence are the same in God. Thomas, of course, starts with the objections against his view. Objection 1. It seems that essence and existence are not the same in God. For if it be so, then the divine being has nothing added to it. Now, being to which no addition is made is universal being, which is predicated of all things. Therefore, it follows that God is being in general, which can be predicated of everything. But this is false. For man gave the incommunable name to stones and wood. Wisdom 14 verse 21. Therefore, God's existence is not his essence. So the argument here is roughly that if God's essence and existence are identical, then God's essence just is mere existence, and mere existence can be predicated of everything, but that is not true of God. Therefore, God's essence and existence are not identical. Objection 2. Further, we can know whether God exists, as said above, but we cannot know what he is. Therefore, God's existence is not the same as his essence, that is, as his quiddity or nature. So here the argument is, well, since we can know that God exists, but we can't know what God is, or we cannot comprehend God completely, therefore God's existence has to be something else than God's essence. Then we have the switch. On the contrary, Hillary says, in God, existence is not an accidental quality, but subsisting truth. Therefore, what subsists in God is his existence. And Aquinas says, I answer that God is not only his own essence, as shown in preceding article, but also his own existence. This may be shown in several ways. First, Whatever a thing has beside its essence must be caused either by the constituent principles of that essence, like a property that necessarily accompanies the species, as the faculty of laughing is proper to a man and is caused by the constituent principles of the species, or by some exterior agent, as heat is caused by water in fire. Therefore, if the existence of a thing differs from its essence, this existence must be caused either by some exterior agent or by its essential principles. Now it is impossible for a thing's existence to be caused by its essential constituent principles, for nothing can be the sufficient cause of its own existence, if its existence is caused. Therefore, that thing whose existence differs from its essence must have its existence caused by another, 
But this cannot be true of God, because we call God the first efficient cause. Therefore it is impossible that in God his existence should differ from his essence. Secondly, existence is that which makes every form or nature actual. For goodness and humanity are spoken of as actual only because they are spoken of as existing. Therefore existence must be compared to essence, if the latter is a distinct reality, as actuality to potentiality. Therefore, since in God there is no potentiality, as shown above, it follows that in him essence does not differ from existence. Therefore his essence is his existence. Thirdly, because just as that which has fire, but is not itself fire, is on fire by participation, so that which has existence but is not existence is a being by participation. But God is his own essence, as shown above. If, therefore, he is not his own existence, he will be not essential, but participated being. He will not, therefore, be the first being, which is absurd. Therefore, God is his own existence, and not merely his own essence. All right, so Aquinas argues that God's essence is his existence. They are identical. And this is something that I find really quite difficult to understand. Perhaps a way to get close to this is the idea that God is an unlimited being. And that you might get closer to this um, this idea of that God's essence and God's existence are identical. Now, Aquinas offers three uh, sorts of arguments for this um, for this claim. First, that if God's essence and existence are distinct, then this would have to be somehow caused. And then, first, that it can't be caused etern internally from God's uh, principles, essential principles, because that would mean that God is somehow self-caused, and God cannot nothing can be self-caused. So that's First is ruled out. The second option would be that God is caused by another, but that is also impossible since God is the first cause. So this is basically the first argument Aquinas offers. Maybe another way of putting it would be saying that if God's essence and existence are distinct, then there would have to be something that causes them to be combined. But there cannot be anything that causes them to be combined so they are not distinct. The second argument is roughly that if they were distinct, the relationship between essence and existence would be related in a similar way as between actuality and potentiality. And since there is no uh, potentiality in God, God is pure actuality, then they cannot be related in this way in God. So they would have to be identical. Or maybe put differently, if they were uh, distinct in God, if God's essence and God's existence were distinct, then it would mean there would be potentiality in God. But there cannot be potentiality in God because God is pure actuality, so they are not distinct. The third argument is more difficult to understand and perhaps presupposes a platonic sort of ontology. But the idea is roughly that if uh, God's essence and existence are not identical, then God would participate in being. 
But if God participates in being, then God is not the most fundamental part of reality. And since God is the most fundamental part of reality, then it must mean that God's essence and God's existence are identical. Now, I think actually this last argument that now I think actually that the last argument Aquinas offers is slightly different from my presentation of it, but maybe this is a way of at least getting closer to what Aquinas argues. Then he goes on to respond to the objections. Reply to objection one. A thing that has nothing added to it can be of two kinds. Either its essence precludes any addition, thus, for example, it is of the essence of an irrational animal to be without reason. Or we may understand a thing to have nothing added to it inasmuch as its essence does not require that anything should be added to it. Thus the genus animal is without reason, because it is not of the essence of animal in general to have reason. But neither is it to lack reason. And so the divine being has nothing added to it in the first sense, whereas universal being has nothing added to it in the second sense. Now this reply to the first objection is also difficult to understand. What Aquinas seems to be doing is seems to be trying to show a distinction or a difference between the type of existence God has and mere existence. And mere existence is, of course, then something that could be said to be shared by all, all beings. Then he goes on to reply to the second objection. Reply to objection two. To be can mean either of two things. It may mean the act of essence, or it may mean the composition of a proposition affected by the mind in, in joining a predicate to a subject. Taking to be in the first sense, we cannot understand God's existence nor his essence, but only in the second sense. We know that this proposition which we form about God when we say God is, is true, and this we know from his effects. So here Aquinas also seems to try to uh, draw a distinction in two senses of to be. So while we can't know that God exists in the sense that we can't know God's essence, we can know that the proposition God exists is true. All right, let's go to the next article, which is, uh, as we will see, related to Article 4. Whether God is contained in a genus. Objection 1. It seems that God is contained in a genus, for a substance is a being that subsists of itself, but this is especially true of God. Therefore, God is in a genus of substance. Objection 2. Further, nothing can be measured save by something of its own genus, as length is measured by length and numbers by number. But God is the measure of all substances, as the commentator shows. Metaphysics 10. Therefore, God is in the genus of substance. On the contrary, in the mind, genus is prior to what it contains, but nothing is prior to God either really or mentally. Therefore, God is not in any genus. All right, perhaps a way to get closer to what Aquinas means is by formulating the question as follows. Um, is God in a category? Is God in a certain box? Is God uh, part of a certain sort? And the problem would be that if God were part of a category, then it would seem 
that God would not be the most fundamental. It would be something prior to God, namely this category of which he is part. Aquinas goes on, he says, I answer that a thing can be in a genus in two ways, either absolutely and properly, as a species contained under a genus, or as being reducible to it, as principles and privations. For example, a point and unity are reduced to the genus of quantity, as its principles, while blindness and all other privations are reduced to the genus of habit. But in neither way is God in a genus. That he cannot be a species of any genus may be shown in three ways. First, because a species is constituted of genus and difference. Now that from which the difference constituting the species is derived is always related to that from which the genus is derived, as actuality is related to potentiality. For animal is derived from sensitive nature, by constitution as it were, for that is animal which has a sensitive nature. Rational being, on the other hand, is derived from intellectual nature, because that is because that is rational which has an intellectual nature, and intelligence is compared to sense, as actuality is to potentiality. The same argument holds good in other things. Hence, since in God actuality is not added to potentiality, it is impossible that he should be in any genus as a species. So here we have a similar type of argument as in the last article. There is this actuality-potentiality type of argument that, that Aquinas uses to rule out the idea that God is part of a category. Secondly, since the existence of God is his essence, if God were in any genus, he would be the genus being, because, since genus is predicated as an essential, it refers to the essence of a thing. But the philosopher has shown that being cannot be a genus, for every genus has differences distinct from its generic essence. Now, no difference can exist distinct from being, for non-being cannot be a difference. It follows, then, that God is not in a genus. Now, this second argument is also difficult to understand. Perhaps the argument is roughly that if God were part of a genus, it would have to be the genus of being, but that Aristotle had shown that being is not a genus. So, it is not the case that God is part of a genus. Thirdly, because all in one genus agree in the in the quiddity or essence of the genus which is predicated of them as an essential. But they differ in their existence, for the existence of man and of horse is not the same, as also of this man and that man. Thus in every member of a genus existence and quiddity, i.e. essence, must differ. But in God they do not differ, as shown in the preceding article. Therefore it is plain that God is not in a genus as if he were a species. From this it is also plain that he has no genus nor difference, nor can there be any definition of him, nor, save through his effects, a demonstration of him. For a definition is from genus and difference, and the mean of a demonstration is a definition. That God is not in a genus, as reducible to, its, to it as its principle, is clear from this, that a, a principle reducible to any genus does not extend beyond that genus. As... A point 
is the principle of continuous quantity alone, and unity of discontinuous quantity, but God is the principle of all being. Therefore, he is not contained in any genus as its principle. Now, this third argument actually seems to be two arguments. And to be honest, I don't really understand either of them very well. So let's just pass on to the replies to the objections. Reply to objection one. The word substance signifies not only what exists of itself, for existence cannot of itself be a genus as shown in the body of the article, but it also signifies an essence that has the property of existing in this way, namely of existing of itself. This existence, however, is not its essence. Thus it is clear that God is not in the genus of substance. Reply to objection 2. This objection turns upon the proportionate measure which must be homogeneous with what is measured. Now God is not a measure proportionate to anything. Still, he is called the measure of all things, in the sense that everything has being, only according as it resembles him. So those are the replies to uh, the objections to Aquinas' view. Now we've come to the end of articles 4 and 5. Next time we'll look at the article 6, which deals with the question whether in God there are any accidents. And with next time, I mean the next time we go on with the series. Despite articles 4 and 5 being difficult, I hope you nevertheless found this episode interesting, and I hope I also was sometimes able to clarify or get closer to uh, what Aquinas was arguing. If you would like to find out more about this podcast, please visit my website, markshaw.nl. Thank you once again for listening, and until next time.